You're listening to the Well Church Network. We exist to send disciple makers of Jesus by being disciple makers of Jesus. This is session two from the 2020 Well Conference, as presented by Ethan McCreary from the Well Church Huntsville. If you have a Bible or a copy of God's Word, and I hope you do, I want to invite you to open with me to a familiar passage. That is Matthew chapter 28. You can go ahead and be making your way there. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Ethan, and I'm one of the pastors at the Well Church that's over in Huntsville. And so we planted a church uh, a little over two years ago, and uh, we're excited to be here. Uh, my wife, Lexi, is with me, and so she's my partner. We have a little girl on the way that'll be here in June, and so we'll have another friend in the Well Network here in a few months. Uh, we're here with our team and our church family, and it's so exciting uh, just to get to be a part uh, of what God is doing in the Well Network. Um, I, I can't tell you uh, how thankful I am just, just to be here right now with, with this particular group of believers. Um, when, when we moved to Huntsville and we were just thinking about the future, we, we dreamed of days like this, dreaming about what might could God do that would be far beyond we could ask or imagine. And as we prayed about this, we prayed about days like this. That God would bring us together with friends we've never met, family we've never met, coming together under the banner of the gospel. See, what you see around you this morning and who you are with right now, these are those whom God has called into the incredible joy of church planting and living a sent life that in this room represents the move of God into three cities on three campuses in five years. And it envisions a room in the future for 16 churches in 16 cities in just a few years as we go and seek to reach the next generation. This morning, I'm going to read this familiar passage and then share what God intends for us to do in light of it. That as we consider the way of God's word this morning, that we will see as we have been given knowledge and relationship and depth as we grow in Christ and our relationship with him, that we have a responsibility to freely and intentionally give it away to someone else this morning and give it away with our lives. And this act of obedience that we are about to read this morning will determine whether or not we succeed or fail in planting churches as we move forward. So I want you to look with me in Matthew 28. We're going to be starting in verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold... I'm with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray together. We will unpack this text. Father, we just come to you now with uh, humble and open hearts. Lord, I just ask that this morning as we uh, look into your word that you would empty us of ourselves and that we would reflect and see how great you are, that we would see your truth poured into our lives this morning. And God, with your word being alive, active, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword cutting to our hearts, God, I pray that we would walk away changed after this weekend, compelled 
by the Holy Spirit to go and make disciples. God, I pray that not my words, but your words will be supreme now, and that your Holy Spirit will work in a way that, uh, that I cannot do, but only you can this morning. God, be with us now, and I pray that in all of this, you receive the glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. It's here in this text that we have the gospel writer Matthew, and he's given an account for the final days of Jesus here on this earth. And at this particular moment in Matthew 28, Jesus has been crucified. They took our Savior, they placed him on a cross, he died a painful death, they put him in a tomb, but three days later, he was risen from the grave. He rose from the dead, and he was alive, walking amongst the people. And in these final days, he appeared to the disciples, these final 40 days, and he spent all of his time with them as he taught about the kingdom of God. And before his ascension on the Mount of Olives, right in the view of the gates of Jerusalem, he shared with his disciples these final words. We see that some worshipped him, some doubted him, but we know that this man truly was Jesus the Christ. And in his final words, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That clearly we see here that Jesus Christ is truly all-powerful, that he's sovereign over all things. All things in heaven and on earth rest in his hands. He is the head of the world. He is the head of the church. And all things are in submission to him. And in light of his authority, he turns to the disciples and then he communicates the greatest mission of all time, the Great Commission. Here's a singular truth and a main bottom line. So if you're a note taker, I want you to get this. Because this is going to set the foundation for the rest of today. But here's the main truth that you need to see from this passage this morning. And it's this. That every believer carries the responsibility and privilege of making disciples. Every believer carries the responsibility and privilege of making disciples. Every one of us carries us. Brothers, sisters, if you are here and, and you have a transformed heart and you've been saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, then you have a responsibility as the disciples here to go and make disciples. When he looks at them, he speaks this truth to them. And in light of this command, the commandment doesn't end there, but then it extends to the church that's about to begin in Acts chapter 2. Every one of us holds this responsibility. So what this text should do is that we should pause as individuals and as church plants, and we should ask ourselves this question. Am I intentionally making disciples with my life? Think about that. In your life right now where you are, am I intentionally making disciples? Like right now, like no excuses. Am I intentionally investing my life into someone else for the purpose of glorifying God and disciple making or am I intentionally being invested in so that I will be sent out to go and invest in someone else in an upcoming season or semester of life? This is why we say every Sunday in our churches that we exist to send disciple makers of Jesus by being disciple makers of Jesus. Like, this is it. Like, this is our heartbeat, our DNA that threads us together as churches is this DNA, this pulse this lifeline of making disciples, because this is the life that Jesus has called us to. If you're here this morning and you've never begun this, you've never begun making disciples for the purpose of glorifying God, advancing the kingdom, understand that in this moment you're outside 
of God's design for our journey as believers. That yes, while you have salvation because of your faith in Jesus Christ, your salvation will be worked out, as Paul says in Philippians, in fear and trembling as we respond in obedience to him. That we will work out what Christ works into us. And it will play out and make this, if you say you follow Jesus, we will do this. As Mark Dever famously said, and a lot of you have heard this, if you say you follow Jesus, but you're not helping others follow Jesus, I don't know what you mean when you say you follow Jesus. You don't have to leave this weekend without entering into a discipleship relationship with someone, or what we call a huddle. Prayerfully consider why you're not actively making disciples, and then seek wisdom from the church, from others, from the Lord, and how you can enter into this mandate. Now, I think most of us here get that. Like, you've made it to Welt Conference. Like, you guys are the core of our network. And, like, you, this, I, I'm sure that you get this, right? Like, you hear this every Sunday. We're like, yes, we need to make disciples. I get it. I'm with you on that. And that brings me to where I want to spend majority of the rest of this today, is that we know we're supposed to make disciples. But the next question that follows is how do we do it? How do we actually make disciples? What I want to do is to take this next verse and expound on it in three ways and build on it. And it will lead us in as a family of churches, as a church planning network, to know how to make disciples. If you'll look back with me one more time, in verse 19, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And here we go. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. So what I want to do is I want to take that verse and I want to split it three ways and we're going to build on it. And it's going to lead us into how do we actually make disciples? Here's the first thing that you need to see this morning. And we're going to begin with the first of that verse. Is that you must teach others. You must teach others. We have to teach others. Part of the Christian journey, part of our life with Jesus, this disciple-making journey, is in fact teaching others. Now, some are gifted here specifically for this. And we're, I'm like, if you're a teacher, like, shout out to you because you are awesome. Uh, but especially those who are like in school and you're teaching there. Some of us are not as gifted in teaching. But if we are all called to make disciples, we are all called to teach in some capacity. Whether that's individually or with two or three people or a whole group. As the settings go on and on, we all have this responsibility to teach. Why? Here's the deal. When people come to faith in Jesus, we say this often in Huntsville, that salvation is not the finish line, but that salvation is the starting line, right? It's not the finish line. That's not where the journey ends, but that's where the journey begins. Meaning that how often do we see believers that come to faith in Jesus Christ for the first time and we celebrate that, we baptize them, we love them, and then that's it. That like that's the end of the road for many. Like no more growth, no more development. And the world eats at them as they begin to face the realities of this life in contrast to their journey with Christ. As I said earlier, Lexi and I, we're, we're super pumped to have a, a little girl on the way and like we're so excited and nervous at the same time because we have no idea what we're doing, or at least I don't. And so like, I'm hoping I'm going to be a good dad. I'm praying I'm going to be a good dad. Uh, but this little girl's on the way. And like when you have a newborn, can you imagine how wild it would be for us as new parents or someone else's new parents to take like a little girl that's like one week old 
and just like hand her like a full plate of food, like for her to eat. Like, doesn't that like sound ridiculous? Like you, like you know what's supposed to happen, but if you have this newborn and you lay like a steak and like two other things in front of this baby, you're like, all right, here you go. Like, I would be okay with that, but little baby will not be okay with it. She's going to be looking, saying, I don't know what to do. She doesn't know words. She doesn't know what to do, right? It's ridiculous. It's, and it's going to take time. Like, she's got to grow up. She's got to mature before she can handle real food. Like, one, that idea is ridiculous, but two, there's no way she could do that. The same thing happens with new believers all the time, that they come to faith, and then we look and say, all right, go get them. But we have to teach them. Exercise patience with new believers. Exercise patience with them as they grow in sanctification. And then raise them up until they reach maturity. How long does that take? It's different for everyone. But we must teach others until they are mature and they continue pouring into beyond that. If, you're, if you are here today as a believer, someone somewhere took time to teach you. That you are the byproduct of someone either preaching, teaching the gospel to you, and that you're here today because of it. And what I'm suggesting today is that it's our time to do the same. So we know that we're supposed to teach others in the faith, right? Like, there's this responsibility to teach, but what are we supposed to teach them to do? Let me go a little further. Here's the second thing. You must teach others to what? To observe. This is what he says in the text. To observe. There's a lot of things you can teach newborns. There's a lot of things you can teach others. But there are specific truths and actions that the Lord mandates for us. And he wants us to teach others to observe. It means to keep, to obey. So that there is a level of knowledge and teaching that directly responds to our actions. So it's not just head knowledge that we desire for others to have, to possess, but it's obedience to the knowledge. That that's a mark of making disciples. It's not just teaching someone else a truth, but leading them to observe and obey that truth. You see the difference there? It's not just head knowledge, but it's putting it in motion. There's a huge distinction there. That churches, ministries, seminaries, we can teach and teach and teach. But if on the inside, that's all they know, and their, their, their knowledge is not put into motion, then they will be spiritually out of shape. What's wrong? They're not taking what they've learned and put it into obedience. There's a huge conviction from the scriptures that we cannot be hearers alone, but we must be doers of the word, according to James. So here's the deal. Most people know that we're supposed to make disciples, be on mission, live a sin life. Most believers get that. But the statistics indicate that an extraordinarily small percentage of churches today actually have members that share their faith with others. It's extraordinarily small. Few have life-on-life -life discipleship relationships. Why? Because they were taught, but they're not observing what they were taught and obeying the word. A healthy church in our network will possess this characteristic, that they will be active in obedience. This is the whole point, listen, of being of an obedient abider. Sound familiar? An obedient abider, someone who lives in submission to Jesus' word. That if we abide in Christ and we remain attached to the vine as he is our life source and we are the branch, that if we are truly attached to him, sitting at the feet of Jesus, learning from his word, that we must put it into motion. 
Like, is it possible to sit at the feet of Jesus to learn from his word and then walk away not changed? But we must go to his word with an open heart to say, yes, Lord, this will affect my life and my actions. The deception that falls to a local church in this is not the sin of commission of what we do. It's the sin of omission. How deceived can a church be to know the word alone, but not observe and obey it? We must fight for obedience. We must celebrate obedience. And we disciple people towards obedience to the scriptures. Finally, it brings us to this final component that I want to look at. We talked about, you see that we got to teach others. We got to teach them to observe. Here's the third thing. What are we observing? You must teach others to observe all the commands of Jesus. Okay? So we're not just teaching them something random to do, but we're teaching them to observe. And we're not asking them to observe something random, but we're asking them to observe the greatest thing of all. And that's what we see as the commands of Jesus Christ. We are teaching believers this word. Well, where do we find the commandments? We find it here. As we have been equipped with the word of God, we see that in his word, we see all of his commands. Now, this mission statement that I mentioned a second ago, that we exist to send disciple makers of Jesus by being disciple makers of Jesus, there's, a, there's an important note of that. Every word matters. We exist to send disciple makers of who? Jesus. By being disciple makers of who? Jesus. Like, why does it say it like that? Because we are teaching people to observe his commands, not ours. We're teaching people to observe the glory of God, the pattern of God, the command of God, the word of God, and not our own intellect. Florence, folks, if you're learning and observing the life and leadership of one person alone, whether that's Alan or Adrian or whoever it is, you're missing the point. We are to follow leaders as we follow Christ, as Paul said. How do we follow Christ? By living according to his word. And so we have to exercise the uttermost care in our pursuits of holiness and sanctification. That if you follow a single individual in this room alone, and that's it, you will be left disappointed because you're not supposed to follow their commands, but follow the Lord's. This brother or sister is going to fall short of the ultimate example. But we point people to the commands of Jesus. So this is what this looks like. Well, like, am I supposed to listen to someone else in the church at all? Should I listen to everything they say? Like, what do I do? This is what happens. When we make disciples, we open the word together in our huddles, in our discipleship groups. We hear from God. We hear from God together. We see what he commands in scripture. We see his truth. We see his application for our lives. And as we sit across the table from our brothers and sisters, we say this. It's, hey, we've heard God speak to us. Now let's live in obedience as we hold each other accountable to what he said. Does that make sense? That we live according to his commands, his word, his scripture. Our churches will be healthy if we do so. So why are we doing this, right? Like, why this? Like, when we commit to make disciples, when we commit to teach, observe the commands of Jesus... Like, why are we doing this? It's because we see the gospel move in ways we could never imagine when we commit to make disciples. Let me illustrate it like this. On December the 12th, 1840, 
Charlotte Diggs Moon was born in Virginia, a woman some of you know as Lottie Moon. Our churches have a Christmas offering in her honor. A four-foot-three woman who would do what no one else was doing to reach people no one else was reaching. In her growth and education, she was a brilliant young woman, yet she was far from the Lord. She was so against the faith and against this that she would sign her letters under the pseudonym DeVille, which was a reference by referring to herself as devil. So you could tell she was a nice person at first. (laughs) However, through much prayer and supplication of her friends, she was converted under the ministry of a man named John Broadus, one of the founders of Southern Seminary. The work of God had taken a woman who formerly opposed him and was against the gospel, and now she was a saint that had been forever changed by the gospel. Imagine what happens when we pray for our friends. And so as she grew in Christ and she learned the word and she was taught the word of God, she began to feel the convictions for those who were lost and without Christ all across the, all across the earth. As her journey with Christ matured, Ministry policy within the Foreign Mission Board, now IMB changed and single women could be appointed to the field. Her sister, Edmonia, sensed God's call to China, which with much boldness, her older sister set sail and left for China in hopes of taking the gospel to those that need it. It wasn't too much longer that after this that she began to write back to the States, write back to Lottie pleading and urging her and asking her to join in the mission of God on the other side of the world. And so, after much prayer, after a season of seeking the Lord, Lottie sensed the call as well. And she took a one-way trip to China. Lottie Moon landed in China, sailed to China. I say landed. Uh, we, she sailed to China. And she labored for 18 years before she began to see true fruit in her ministry. How often do we stop too soon because we don't trust the Lord for fruit or because the ministry is hard or because the stats are against us or because it's just difficult. But she labored for 18 years before she began to see the fruit. But she began to see it in particular areas as the gospel began to spread across China. She began to see fruit in her efforts. But one example of this was in her teaching. She was an incredible teacher of the word. She taught men, women, children, anyone who would listen and hear the gospel. And one individual in particular was a man named Li Xiao. Li Xiao was a native that was in the same circle of influence as Lottie Moon. And he began to listen to the teachings that she was sharing in light of the gospel and the word of God. So Lottie, day after day, week after week, season after season, she would uh, share this gospel message. And it was under her ministry that this man, Li Xiao, was converted and placed his faith in Jesus Christ in China. So Li Xiao was discipled. He grew in Christ since God's call to ministry to those who were around him. And listen to this. He became a pastor, and over the course of his ministry, he personally would lead 10,000 people to Christ in his city, in China. Imagine what happens when we pour into someone else. Lottie Moon, in her final year of life, she truly sacrificed everything for the sake of making disciples. Funds were running low from the Foreign Mission Board in her final missionary years. 
so, so that one biographer wrote in the final year of her life, she was giving the last of her resources away to those in need of it. One biographer wrote that when they found her, she was 50 pounds, and she was giving all of her food away to the poor and hungry. In her final year of ministry before her death, Wadi Moon saw in that year 2,500 Chinese come to faith through her ministry. This same Wadi, with her famous words, said, if I had 1,000 lives, I would give them all to China. Why do we do this? Lottie Moon was sent. Lottie Moon taught the word, and the gospel multiplied. Make disciples in your circle of influence and watch the gospel multiply in front of you. Now understand that if we embrace this call, if we embrace this mandate, when we gather year after year after year for the purpose of celebrating, equipping, and catalyzing this vision of planting 16 churches by the year 2026, what we will see are brothers and sisters who have placed their faith in Jesus and are a part of your family because you committed to make disciples and to teach others to observe the commands of Jesus. As this room grows, we'll be amazed at what God does. If Jesus took 12 men and it changed the face of the world, what might he do with a room like this? Now to close on this. You may be here and you're hearing these words as, and you may be having this particular emotion that I had when I was first called to make disciples. And I still faced. And that's fear, right? Like, if making disciples was easy, then everyone would be doing it, Right? Like, everyone would be going and making disciples if it was the easy road to do. But what we see is that it is challenging. It requires sacrifice. It requires us laying down our lives for the sake of others. And in this, we can feel afraid. We can be worried. We can have fear. Like, man, I can't, I can't do this. I don't know how to move forward in this. I don't know how to, what I'm supposed to say. Like, I'm uncomfortable in this. I have to sacrifice, like... All these emotions rise. What I want to share with you is this final part of verse 20. If you'll look one last time. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I am with you always to the end of the age. If you are here and you sense the call, and you see the responsibility to make disciples, but you have an internal conflict that's holding you back from taking this first step, know that you are not alone. But that in Jesus Christ, we have the Holy Spirit within us, right? That right now, as a byproduct of being saved by God, He has sealed us with His Holy Spirit, and He lives within us as we are a temple of God. And He says to the disciples, as he is about to leave, as he's about to send his disciples to the ends of the earth, he tells them, he assures them that I will be with you always. As we have our gospel goodbyes and people in this room move their lives to a new city, to Tuscaloosa, to church plant number four and five and six and seven, we know that they are not alone. But they are empowered by the work of the Holy Spirit. They are empowered by the Spirit of God. And he's the one that conquers the fear, conquers the doubt, conquers the struggle that comes when we sense the call to make disciples. Well, network, 
as we wrap up this morning, I want to call you to this. As you seek the Lord and you abide in Him, allow that to be fleshed out in your life by making disciples, by teaching others to observe all that Jesus has commanded you. And I believe that when we do this, and we commit this to the Lord, we will prayerfully see more than we could ask or imagine as we see the work of God in our day in a way we've never seen before. If you're here this morning, and as Britton and Austin so beautifully shared a minute ago, we're called to make disciples, but there is a prerequisite to that, is that you've experienced the grace of God first. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never placed your faith in Jesus. You want to take that step into making disciples, but first you must become one. This morning I just want to offer you this simple word that we have a Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who came from heaven to earth, lived a perfect, sinless life, died on the cross, rose from the dead, and he did this in his pursuit of God's glory and for the salvation of those whom he loves. If you're here this morning, you've never placed your faith in him. His word is so true. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God rose from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10. This morning, confess Jesus as Lord. If you've never done that, he's inviting you in. And as Isaiah says, the arm of the Lord is not too short to save. But that right here, in this moment, as we go into a time of invitation and praising God for what he has done, do not wait. But as you sense the pull of the Holy Spirit calling you and opening your eyes, place your faith in him. And for the rest of us, let us go and make disciples for the glory of God, for his mission, for the church, as we see churches planted in cities all across the Southeast. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Well Church Network. Our vision is to see a church planting church in every university city in the Southeast. To that end, we are pursuing a God-sized vision of planting 16 churches by 2026. For more information on the Well Church, visit wellchurchnetwork.com.